the minute a client is going to hire you, you have to have the mentality is that that's also the minute they decided they wanted to fire you. Because once you get them a result, what if you get them a result and they're like, okay, cool. We can't credit it to you. You're fired. Hey, we can't handle all the calls. Oh, hey, you're fired. The leads aren't answering. You did what you said you do. You're fired. So you have to have really articulate skills in the sense of project management. So it's not about being able to push the buttons and get just the surface level vanity metric of a lead. It's about how do you get the lead from just getting to the customer and following it through the whole entire funnel, channeling it back all the way to sales, and then project management managing that whole process along the way. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls across the world, we just want to welcome you for an exciting podcast session. I have my friend Rahul Aleem. I've, I've known him for, I don't know, many years, and I want to kind of get into the background of how we first met. In addition to that, um, he's a popular face in the high-level community. He came to the summit. Um, we see each other in literally all the marketing conferences. Uh, and he's, I would call, a veteran. He's not an, you know, someone that's recent in this flyby kind of marketing agency person. He's been here for the long haul. And I know uh, Raul, he started like back in 2004. Um, and even before that, before he even had an official company, he was still doing work around the marketing space. Um, but I just want to welcome you, man. I'm excited to do a spotlight session with you. And this is awesome. I love hanging out in the high level community. There's, this is like probably one of the most bonded <laughs> communities I've ever been a part of, where it just feels like it's not only like educational, it's fun, but it's like a family. So uh, I truly mean that. So thank you guys for putting together such an amazing group. Awesome, man. So before we get started, you know, I'm a huge basketball fan. So I've got to ask you about your Lakers hat. I'm a huge Kobe fan. Um, how did you feel about Sacramento losing in general <laughs> this, last, this year? It's like as a, a, as a Laker, movie, right? Yes. As a Laker fan, all we think about is Vladi Divac shooting the ball back <laughs> to big shot Rob and he hits the three and puts them out of their misery and Lakers win the championship. So oh. watching Sacramento, I mean, I, this era, 20 years later, don't really care. Laker, we're just try-hard <laughs> Laker fans. Oh, um, man. We just want to see him go. Yeah, and and Kobe always, like, destroyed our Houston Rockets team. I'm from Houston. Uh, but you always respect Kobe and, like, the things that he brought to the table. And there's a lot of lessons we can take from him into the entrepreneurial world. And look mm -hmm. at you, like, from 2004 to where it is today. Uh, it takes that kind of a mentality to stay put. Um, so for you, those of you that jumped in and you're watching on a replay on our YouTube channel, if you don't even have a high-level account, I recommend that you just take advantage of that 14-day trial or a 30-day trial for the pro. And, you know, it's not about automations. It is about a community that is on the verge of changing the marketing world altogether. And I know you probably hear a lot of these words like high level this, high level that, SaaS this, SaaS that. But we wanted today just show you a couple of practical applications of how you should apply high level inside your business. Now, Raul, I want to talk about three things, if you don't mind. Like I would love, uh, you know, if this becomes the structure of our conversation. Um, first thing I want to talk about is like really get an idea of SaaS offers, right? Um, the offers that agencies can put out there as a dangling carrot to get the ball rolling. And then after that, what I would love to do is 
understand the objections that you usually see? Because I know you you train hundreds and hundreds of agency owners today. You have your own community, which we'll talk about and how they can basically take advantage of that, um, the, some of the resources you have. But I want to talk about the offers and also the objections. And the last thing I want to really make sure we at least address if we have enough time is the right mindset of how you can scale a business, right? And what it takes to have longevity in this turbulent, turbulent space of entrepreneurship and the journey, you know, they shouldn't be alone by themselves. So we recommend you jump into a community like high level. So let's talk about offers in, in today's, well, first things first, agency owners that are coming to you, are you seeing a pattern of their problems? I assume you are. And if so, like what kind of patterns do you see from your students? I mean, the number one pattern is, is clarity upfront, they don't have an offer that's been proven, that's been consistent, that they're in love with, and that they can keep clients on the long haul. Because the number one thing about running a marketing agency, and I learned this right away, I mean, because I used to work for another agency, it was realtor.com. It was, it, we sold real estate advertising to realtors, not an easy thing to do over the phone, by the way. Um, but anyways, the, the one thing is, if you're not able, like the minute a client is going to hire you, you have to have the mentality is that that's also the minute they decided they wanted to fire you. Because once you get them a result, what if you get them a result and they're like, okay, cool, we can't credit it to you, you're fired. Hey, we can't handle all the calls. Oh, hey, you're fired. The leads aren't answering. You did what you said you do, you're fired. So you have to have really articulate skills in the sense of project management. So it's not about being able to push the buttons and get just the surface level vanity metric of a lead. It's about how do you get the lead from just getting to the customer and following it through the whole entire funnel, channeling it back all the way to sales, and then project managing that whole process along the way. So what I've seen is a lot of people don't have that sophistication of understanding the whole circular project and the affordability of having a team that can think like the entrepreneur. They don't have the cash flow. Um, so that's really the number one thing is like they're not fully confident in their own fulfillment or their offer about the result. Therefore, it's difficult to present it and it's difficult to sell it. Yeah, so it's interesting because we also at high level, I mean, we're at like 26,000 agency owners today serving, I don't know, like 800 plus thousand plus small businesses and almost every agency owner has similar patterns just like how you are just talking about how they don't have the confidence in the fulfillment so they sell weird and then they set the wrong expectations and they're trying to fulfill something they didn't promise and then go back to the chopping block right like so we know the pattern of the agency services where i would never say don't sell agency services there is a place and a time for it but we do know that the agency services have a significantly higher churn rate where when you are selling technology oriented packages where it's not dependent on a human being regardless of what it is as long as it's not dependent on a human being where the system is fulfilling itself and and I know we can talk about missed call text back reviews a couple of other great great trojan horse offers that we we've shared in the past um it it allows the agency to be stable and your your churn rate is typically less than five six percent versus agency services as well through the roof of over seventy percent. Now, why does that happen? It's the variability of 
who is selling the service, what was promised, and who is fulfilling the service, right? So there's, it's not just because it's a marketing service, it's, it's about which agency and how they do things and what's promised. But let's talk about offers. The Trojan horse offers that you lean towards, I know you said missed call text back. And for those of you that don't know what a Trojan horse offer is, and this is something uh, Raul even asked me, like, where did that even come from, like the historical background? So like, I think there was like a war in the medieval times between two basic, you know, two, two regions. And, and this one side had these huge walls, like the castle was like just magnificent walls and you can't climb those walls. So what one king did was they built a horse, wooden horse with wheels under it, right? And they basically filled up a ton of soldiers inside the horse, inside the wooden horse. And they one king said, hey, I want to gift you a horse as part of appreciation. So the so one of the kingdoms basically rolled in this Trojan horse. And that's the Trojan horse method of going inside the castle and dispersing from there with the soldiers. And they basically came at, at night, they basically opened the doors that were attached to the horse. This is this is massive, by the way, with, with like a ton of people inside it. Um, and they basically opened the door and at night went through and killed a ton of soldiers inside the castle. And it's the Trojan horse method. So when we you know, basically say, what's your Trojan horse offer? The idea is, can we just get foot in the door and then expand from there? And what are some of the things that you're seeing today? And Raul, I know, I, I know we talked about a few, but what's your go-to? My go-to is always going to be, there's going to be a trifecta. And I typically find out what's most important to the client just so, through some casual Q&A. We call it a discovery and sales. So it's always going to be missed call text backs. It's always going to be the review campaigns. And then it's going to be database reactivations. Those are the easiest, simplest things for another human to comprehend. Because if we circle back to like what's going on in the agency world, I think like a lot of us, when we start out, or even today, depend, doesn't matter how long you've been running it, is that we're, we're thinking that if we offer more at the same time, the customer sees more value. I look at it as the exact opposite. We're just increasing our workload. We're raising the price of the customer right out the gate, but then we're also losing them along the way. Because a lot of agencies are trying to do too much and they're starting off speaking English. And then at some point they change the Mandarin in the mind of the customer <laughs> because you've talked too much, you've offered too much. It's almost like an infomercial, but wait, there's more, but that more has no value in the mind to the customer because they're just thinking like, holy crap, this is a lot of work. How long is this going to take? Do I have to do stuff? Do they have to do stuff? I don't know my GoDaddy. Like all these weird things come out in the mind of the customer. That's why we keep it so, so, so simple. And I'm talking about so simple that you can literally carry a conversation with a complete stranger that you see at a Starbucks or at a grocery store or whatever and carry a conversation. Like I've closed, I literally joke around and I like, I, I mean, coffee is expensive at Starbucks. It's fucking $3 for this thing, right? Not cheap. I mean, you can get Folgers for $5 and get 60 cups, but I get a hundred times return every time I buy one of these. Because I close people at Starbucks just selling my foot in the door offer. Because if I sell them $3,000 services, I'm on the chopping block after four or five months. 
Now, if I sell them four to $500 a month services and drink coffee with them, they're thanking me because what I'm doing is I'm taking their 20 years they've been in business. Like an example would be an HVAC company. Uh, I met somebody who's actually 35 years in business, 72 years old. He wanted to already retire by now. And I asked him, what's preventing you? He's like, I'm not at the revenue I want. And I said, what do you think is holding you back? And then he explained certain things like can't afford the right staff, et cetera. And I said, have you ever sent a message to your database, letting them know that it's about to be summer in California and it might be a good idea to check out their air filters? He's like, my system doesn't do that. I'm like, that, forget the system. I have the system. But have you ever even considered that? I'm like, do you think that selling to the people that you have in your database would make sense? Or is it better to say, I don't want to service the people that are already know that I can trust me. I just want to go after new people, but then I have to have the challenge of advertising and huge budgets for that. Out of those two options, which one do you think you'd have the highest probability to get more revenue and reduce your cost at the same time? It's you like, know what well, I love you... about that, Rahul? You know what I love about that is that your trifecta offer that you're talking about is very close to the revenue line of the business. It's not like, oh, I feel good about it. It's like, oh, this is qualitatively strat, you know, satisfaction. But you have a number that you can attach to it and say, listen, how many calls are you missing? How many reviews are you actually getting? There's a quantitative aspect to that. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And now you can attach that to the revenue line of the business. And in this case that you're talking about, like, yeah, of course, if you're working at 72 with your HVAC company, something went off, something, something wasn't, uh, you know, done right. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause I don't know about you, but I want to retire like at 55 and not have to deal with my business at that point. Right. Like, so, so it is the lack of resources, the, the lack of ability for them to talk to somebody that has the right offer. Like everybody that presents an offer to them is speaking Sanskrit to them and they don't understand what it is. Typically when they talk to tech oriented people, marketing people, IT people. So it's the language on top of what the actual offer is. Um, now you said missed call text back reviews. What was the third one? I think database reactivations. Oh, of course, a standard DBR yeah. and, um, you know, like it, it's really bringing back warm customers that you've ever related. It's, it's fundamentally sound in psychology of marketing, right? Now, what well, are the one, one of the things like real quick, like one of the things I just asked him, I'm like, how, when was the last time, like, I mean, I'll ask the audience that's going to be watching this. Like, when was the last time you got a text message from any place you've ever bought something from? Like, look through your phone, like in the last 10 days, like, have you got anything from anybody? Like, yeah. well, now the places where you're flowing your money to, you have an opportunity to open those conversations with those owners. And in right. fact, I almost challenge people like it's your obligation because if nine out of 10 businesses are going to go out of business within the first three years, what if you walked in and saved one of those by implementing such a simple technology that could give them a longer runway, have yeah. that legacy for their family. So I look at it from like, it's our obligation to sometimes go and inspire ourselves to go help those people just leaking money out the door because they just don't have the know-how. Right. And and we know that local is underserved. Like when you look at companies like, you know, Salesforce, Oracle, like a lot of these major players, their real focus is really corporate fortune 500, you know, revamping a system for like thousands of people. Like they're not in the business of 
going after local. And if you if any of you are watching and you have any background in the IT space, uh, in the IT space, like our friend Mike Coach talks about, there is an MSP, right? Like a managed service provider. And marketing agencies today have the opportunity to be the marketing service provider for all marketing technology instead of just selling marketing services, right? And it comes down to what you're talking about. Like you have to serve the local customers and have stability there before you can really expand. Um, Rahul, the next thing I want to talk about is objections. Around those trifecta offers, what are common objections that you see around SaaS or even marketing services in general? Like I know you're solid on sales. Yeah. I mean, the way I present and the way I anticipate what the objections are going to be, I honestly don't get any. Um, especially when I'm doing SaaS. If I'm selling my marketing services like Facebook ads, YouTube ads, yeah, there's going to be a laundry list of objections, partners, wife, spouse, timing, budgets, et cetera. There's all kinds of objections that you have to get in front of. But when it comes to the SaaS, I'm already creating the budget in their mind through the future of what could happen if they had this tool that can generate the revenue from what they've already built. And then I'm also backpasting it to go what they've lost out on. If they had this a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, what would the revenue have looked like by now? So now I'm creating the urgency at the exact same time. So in their mind, they've lost money by not having these tools and these systems like missed call text backs, database reactivations and capitalizing off of like the existing customers, because I get it. If you're waking up, like you agency owners, you're waking up, you're thinking, I got to do my content, I got to do some emails, I got to do these things, where it's just like, you don't have time to call your database. But now we can automate that for the customers. And the best part about automating it for our customers and ourselves is that it's duplicatable. Like if you write a really good database reactivation campaign or a review campaign, and you get a new customer, the the it's already done. Yeah, Like these hats, they're not custom making for me, right? They've already made the mold. They've already made it once. Then they're just going to print the shit out of it and sell the shit out of it. That's yeah. what you guys have the ability to do is like make the mold once or buy the mold from, from anybody who sells it for you. It's already yeah. done for the most part in this community. And then now it's just a matter of just telling the world about the service. Um, but but going back to the objection thing, the, the biggest objection I think you guys are probably going to face, like, well, price will be the biggest one. Um, so, so I can go over price stuff in, 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 if that's relevant, but, but technology wise, like is the phone number, what happens if I, how do I change the phone number? Who owns it? I just keep it simple. It's, it's your phone number. It's just going to forward back to your main line anyways. So anybody with your main line, you don't lose that. Anybody with the new phone number, you benefit because now you have this technology and these tools. So you're actually giving the customer what they wanted all along is that if somebody missed a call, have the decency to at least text them back because they prefer to text anyways. So now yeah. we're actually satisfying the customer at the same time. Yeah. So, so here's a couple of observations here. When you, when you objections, you want to prevent them before you get to the objection. So like, uh, have, like don't let the prospect have the ability to come up with an objection because throughout the sales journey, you want to attack those in a preventive method, right? Like you're not trying to be reactive to the objections. That's just like a rookie way to go about sales. The second thing is because you are concising, concising your offers down to just missed call text back or reviews, or maybe putting two of those together, it's a lot less of a decision-making tree versus when you sell marketing agencies, you got to think about 
domains. You got to think about Facebook ads, Google ads, websites, funnels, who's fielding the traffic, forms, emails, responders, uh, Becky up front who's not picking up the phone, like staff, how they adapt to this. Like that decision is like that the tree of decisions there is like 12 different things where this technology package when you sell SaaS or even just one offer, even if, if you're doing even agency services, just lean in with one offer, get the foot in the door. And when that happens, they have less thing to object around, right? And that's an easy way to get better at sales, easy way to have a stepping stone mentality to really move them forward. Like to me, sales is a responsibility. You're, you're, you have a responsibility when you know you have a good offer and a good service to serve your market. Like it, it's a ethical thing for me. Like I have to, I trust my offer so well that I feel obligated to let the community know what is available to them. I don't care about the money part. I care about who they are as human beings. And I'm like, I want to make sure, it, you know, small businesses know what's possible, right? And because of that, my objections, like you said, it's it's not as much. I mean, obviously, price is a thing. Um, so speaking of price, what are some strategies you recommend for price as an objection? Well, I mean, let's just go over preventing it from happening in the first place, right? Yeah. So the the price, like when I mentioned, like I got to know like how big, if I know how big their database is, like let's say they say 100, I'm, I'm cool with the 100 and I know their lifetime value. And then I just go into storytelling mode and especially with local businesses, like this is a true story too. Um, and I tell the clients this exact same true story. And they they fall in love with it because I'm leaning into the next stage. But I'll say like I, I bought I bought a Tesla from my mom, and one thing we didn't really realize is that well, we bought the Tesla, but we didn't have any way to charge it. So I had to, I went to Google, and I didn't know really much about. I've never bought one, so I just typed in the best I could with the keywords, found some local people, called the first one, no answer. Called the second one, no answer. Called the third one, no answer. Then I'm like, all right, let, maybe fourth time's a charm, not third time. Fourth time's a charm, dude answered, came over within the hour, $750, took half an hour. He didn't even show up. His guys did, and it was gone. And now I'm like, well, what if those three people before, even the first person had a missed call text back? What they would be doing is saying, hey, I acknowledge that you've called. I'm busy. I'm going to get back to you, and I'm having an interactive conversation. What I would have ended up doing is I would have stopped my search on Google. So by missing a call as a business owner, you're telling your customer base, continue to go buy from my competitors. So that's how I tell the story. I said, hey, when now when it comes to your business, has there ever been an instance where you're busy, you're talking to a client, you're at a dinner even, it's after hours, it's the weekend, you're not even working, or you missed the call, it was a voicemail, they wanted to use your service, you called them back, they didn't answer, they called you back, you didn't answer, now there's phone tag, then you finally put the eight calls, the text messages, all that energy, and they answered. And then they found somebody else. Now I got to ask, what's the lifetime value of a customer? $800. So every time that happens, we can think about losing $800 potentially. Now I got to ask a tough question. How many calls do you think you've missed over the last 30 days that could possibly be customers? Now I've just created the budget. And now I'm going to go backwards even further. Like, man, like, over the last year, if you've missed 10 calls and we have $800, and if we use that as our baseline numbers hypothetically over the last 12 months, what does that turn out to be as an opportunity cost? 
So now I'm just kind of like now leading them in. I said, like, these are things that every business, unfortunately, they're not teaching in school. Everybody, all the marketing agencies that you've worked with, what they're trying to do is shove new leads down everybody's throats. And then as you, as the business owner, you're saying like, well, I want the leads, but they're just so expensive or they just don't answer. They're fake numbers. I can't reach them. I don't have the team to do it. Yeah. Like, why don't we capitalize of what you're already going to earn anyways? And then let's circle back to generating proper leads. So yeah, I'm already see, like, like future the, pacing. Yeah. I like the simplicity of the approach, right? And imagine you as an agency owner, how easy it would be for you to scale up a sales team, scale up a small call center if you have to for appointment setting, where everybody is singing the same song around the same offers. Right. Mm -hmm. And and then you start creating a culture around that. You start seeing results that customers are getting from your efforts. And then your sales team has better confidence. Right. And mm -hmm. I, I love the approach of helping them understand the value of loss. Like here's a revenue loss because you're not advanced in 2023 of what consumers want, which is everybody want to just text you. Nobody wants to be on a mm -hmm. phone call anymore. Like that day is over, right? And you have a ton of it, you know, business owners that are still trying to adapt into 2023. Um, so Raul, the, the last thing I want to, you know, ask you is GSD. Help me understand GSD. Well, I'm sorry. My, my, my third thing is the mindset. I'm sorry. The, the mindset of an agency owner what are things that you see from your students today? Like, I know you can tell when somebody's in the front of the class and when they're in the back of the class. Yeah. I mean, I think what people go through is, I mean, they're, it's, it's imposter syndrome on the surface level. Um, but then it's also, they, they didn't realize how much work it was going to be, but number and then there, it's the comparison against other people, which is also kind of killing them. But I think like I, I think like an athlete, quite frankly, because we talked about Kobe and the Lakers and whatnot. Um, yeah. I just look at it as like uh, you you have to have a strong mindset because like if I had a bad conversation with somebody, which could spark off like a lot of like downfall of somebody's mind that somebody said no, I don't look at it as somebody told me no. I look at it as how do I articulate myself better? It gives me an opportunity to learn. So anybody who says like no, I'm not interested, I'm just naturally curious to understand what caused that. And then how could I prevent it? How can I articulate this even better? Because we all started in the same place. We all got no's. We all got like lost clients. We're like, fuck you. We, we, we did a good job. You're doing a bad job. Like the arguments, we've all had that. We've had bad clients. But I mean, I think the, I think the big confusion is I just talked, I'll give you a real live example. Somebody told me that they're just starting their own agency. And I said, what do you do? Web design, SEO, social media, pay-per-click, YouTube ads, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, all right, so what do you know of that whole list none of it i'm like okay cool like why don't we just simplify it to one because when i started my agency i just went live yesterday too and i talked about we did over 10 million dollars selling one thing and all we sold was square fucking banner ads sorry for the language people <laughs> earmuffs for those that don't like it or bleep it out editor <laughs> but but all we sold was square banner ads and when people like when we sold it it was 150 dollars so do the math, 10 million divided by 150. You can see how many units I sold, right? But when somebody loved the banner, guess what I sold them? Not website and SEO, sold them another banner. And then when they like that banner, guess what I sold them again? Different sizes and dimensions of other banners. So we just stayed so focused that we got good at selling one thing. 
Now, the domino effect of staying in the lane is it was a repeatable process. Now, I can't sell $10 million of $150 products by myself over the phone, but now I can train anybody, anybody that speaks English, that is not, that's kind, that can learn a couple words, they can sell this product. Then delivery became easy because then we had to have somebody quality check. We had to have graphic designers. We had to have people that uploaded stuff. So it was like one product, one service, one system. And then we expanded after several years, like four or five years. Then we went not to like a whole different ball game. We just said, okay, let's do landing pages. Landing pages is just a bigger banner. <laughs> so we, are, we don't have to have new staff. Um, then we expanded to a logos, branding, all that stuff. Then we evolved into the digital marketing game. And the only reason we went to digital marketing is because we needed it for ourselves. We needed to rank higher. We needed to get more traffic. We wanted bigger clients. So we put ourselves out there all over the internet. Once we got good at that, then it became a service. Um, but I think staying in the lane, and and I think like when I when I listen in on some of the affiliate calls that I come to for, for the team and some of the community calls that I see, I see a lot of the same faces too. But I think those questions that come up the same is, well, like when somebody has success in something, they all are so curious. How do you do that? How do you sell that? How do you do this? But if we took a step back and don't give a shit how they did it and focus on how do I just simplify one thing to one market? It could be like with go high level, you don't need a niche, by the way. Like you can be local. Yeah. You can do local, right? If you want to do a niche, go for it because then you get lingo down and feel comfortable that way. But the beautiful part is you don't need a niche. Yeah. Um, but if you literally just sent like the, the stories that I've been telling I literally sell miscalled text specs as my core because I already know that's where the pain is. Number one. Yeah. Number two, if they like that and they're they're ready to go forward with me, they don't get anything else. Then what am I? But then I get to enhance my value and my authority because then after before I onboard them, before I even launch that that thing that's already done. <laughs> that I don't even have to do because it's already done. Someone else does it on my team. So I actually look fancy because I have a team um, and they don't have to really do much either. And then I can say, would it be okay with you if I also did something? And by the way, Paulson, this isn't going to cost you anymore, but would it be okay with you if I helped get some more reviews from your happy clients? And yeah. so you don't have to reach out to them. You don't have to call them and let me and my team do that automated through the same system. And don't worry, I'm not going to charge you for this service. <laughs> Yeah. And, and look how is, cool that is, that is. Yeah, this is beautiful because the mindset of the agency owner today is obviously evolving. Like there's a lot of different perspectives. Like I like Rahul and I, we met like I think 2015 at Billy Jean's events. And uh, I mean, he still remembers that I was walking around with like a suit a blue, and a, a blue blazer. I was like, dude, like first of all, it was a really cool blue. That's why it stood out to me. <laughs> and my second thought was like, why is he dressed up so nice? <laughs> That's because I came from the healthcare space. And for mm -hmm. me, all business dealings was very professional. Like when I go talk to my dentist clients locally, I put a suit on and it may feel like it's overdoing it but there was like a standard I was trying to keep and I related to that industry right and my and and mind you I was all in on dental the second agency I had was automotive and I went all in on automotive but to the thought process of niching down um I I totally agree with Rahul that today with high level services and products and the suites of things that we have it doesn't make sense to niche down. It makes more sense to subsect a category like, hey, I'm going to go all local. 
or mm-hmm. I'm going to go all Fortune 500, or I'm going to go all corporate, or I'm going to go all mid-sized businesses. Like that's probably the better way to go about it versus just picking an industry. Now, there is a place to pick an industry where you want to scale and go leaning, but doesn't mean it has to be like one. You can have three or four different industries, um, kind of like the Josh Nelson and yourself, like where you have the plumbers, you have contractors, you have, you know, like um, events, like whatever it is that you want to lean towards, um, you can do that. But but the thought process of that's the only way to do it is is not what I would recommend, like Rahul says. So you, you do want to definitely have a stepping stone. We're saying have yeah. a stepping stone. Yeah. And it's such a great thing. Cause like, think like when we're talking about foot in the door offers, that's exactly what it means. It's the foot in the door. Like Amazon has prime and then you pay $99 to have too much television and you get free shipping on stuff you haven't bought. So they're already assuming you're going to buy a bunch of stuff, yeah. right? Netflix, seven day free trial, orange three fitness, try it out for 30 days. If you hate it, get your money back. But if you yeah. love it, you're stuck for life. Right. But, but going back to like what, what we talked about, what I have notes here that I used in a presentation that I just wanted to pull up about what agencies typically do is what they typically do is they're builders. They're not deliverers. It's like field of dreams. Let me build it. People will love it. They'll come. So they build like crazy. And when somebody doesn't buy it, they go back and build like crazy. Number two is the overcomplication of things. When you overcomplicate it, you can't explain it articulately and you, your product pushing instead of solution finding, right? Your problem finding and then solution delivering. They geek out, quote unquote, I love the geek out and nerd out. Um, what that leads to is six months of geeking out and the party and the honeymoon of not making money is over. Then you burn out. Um, they hear a new idea, they go build it. They start a new build for no reason and without finishing the current build. Then they forget the number one thing is like the like blood is to a body, sales is to a business. They forget to sell it to the clients. Um, so so that's kind of what I see a lot of as well. And simplicity is always going to win because I like I said like before I sold banner ads. It couldn't get more simple than that. The annoying things people don't like to click on, people love to buy. Um, And and like all these services that Go High Level does because there's so much. And I found a new foot in the door offer and I I hate to say it, but I'm going to reveal it. Um, And I'm going to just fucking share it. So there's legacy people out there and you have to be good at networking or not good. I don't really care what level of goodness you are or not, but maybe if you have contacts. But I've met a lot of cool people, former CEOs of publicly traded companies. Um, And my, my line, just like I did the, the missed call text back is like, have you, have you ever considered, because you guys are such amazing leaders, you've taken companies public, you've led thousands of people. Have you ever considered expanding your knowledge aside from just giving it to like Google's and Netflix and, and seminars at USC and MIT and Harvard's to like the rest of us that need it through like maybe an an online educational platform where you take what's in your brain, it's on video, and then it can be mass distributed, whether it's for free or for money. Have you ever considered doing something like that? Yeah. And guess what they've considered? They've considered like, well, how do I do it? What is that? Like, what do you mean? (laughs) Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, here's how it works. I'm, and I shit you not, I was supposed to do a podcast today with the CEO of stamps.com. I actually had to reschedule, which, which sounds pretty cool, but it's fucked up that I had to reschedule. But I'm, re- I'm doing it next week. Um, but that's what we're discussing. Exactly what I just said, word for word, maybe a couple variances and pauses or whatnot, is what I presented to him. 
Now what we're doing is our podcast. After the podcast, we're meeting to make sure we can do the next step of what's the agenda, what's the table of contents, how does it work? And then we're going to get into the cost structures and all that kind of stuff. But that's so cool that you can do this with anybody. That's a new foot in the door is that like every human being needs a membership platform and go high level already has it no more thousand dollar a month Kajabi bullshit coupled with whiskey or whatever. Right. <laughs> it's all built into this platform because every, if you run a business, you have to educate your employees. What if you video recorded and made a membership platform before you even hired them, <laughs> like think train. And if you know my shit, then you can get hired. So there's so many cool ways you can use each feature by feature yeah. um, and then send them up from there. Yeah. So, you know, being in business, I can tell you the first thing you have to do is get your offer right to meet the market where they are. That's the first solution. The second solution is making sure you have a synchronized assembly line to be able to deliver it at speed and repetition. The third thing is obviously the mindset of every team member, yourself and the employee and, and, and any contractors as well to kind of be cohesive. So let's go back to Lakers before Phil Jackson. They had Shaq and Kobe before Phil Jackson. And for some reason, the culture didn't work out. They didn't win really anything, right? And Phil Jackson came in as a leader and he had, I mean, he had Shaq doing like yoga, man. It was crazy, yeah. right? Can you speak to that kind of a thought process around the agency? Like, I know we have to be a great leader to bring the team together and have that culture to scale. And that's kind of the last thing I want to touch on is like, what does it take to scale? And every time I think of that, it's not strategy. It's not systems. It's, it's really the culture that you as a leader could build. That's what it comes down to. Any thoughts on that um, from you? Yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right. Everything's a mindset in my opinion, because I think every human being is, is, created to be great at something it's just what is this going to tell you that you're not worth it or is it going to tell you keep grinding keep going keep finding a way so i think that there's a lot that goes on in our heads because we can easily be lazy or we can easily be motivated right so so i'm, I'm i got the bryant rules behind me it's, yeah, it's a little, a little blurry, blurry so, for me yeah right. so so like get better every single day that's just obvious right look how simple that advice is what if you just practice your offer like one hour a day do you think, do you think yep. yeah, like just this tiny fraction out of 24 hours, you just use one of them to master and just think and put everything like, like put the phone off for one hour. Is life going to be better or worse by just getting <laughs> way, way better at the only thing that the reason people are going to buy for your business. So success and failure are anchored on these things. Yeah. So I kind of use anchors in my mind of like, it, like I, I use like, Rahul, today you need to do this. And if you don't do this, you're choosing not to be successful. Of those two options, which one are you today? So I kind of use the, that like like aggressive like paths where it's like be yeah. a failure today or be successful. And it's not that bad. It's kind of like going to the gym. You don't want to do it. But then when you go, you're like, holy shit, I feel so good. That wasn't so bad. And then you get better enhanced every day. So that's kind of the willingness and the mindset that I have. Um, number two, I don't have the prove them wrong like Kobe did. I don't have that chip on my shoulder because I'm just trying to prove myself right and and just practice till I can't get it wrong. Um, weaknesses, like this isn't basketball, so I kind of have edits to it, but he has work on your weaknesses. I actually think the exact opposite when it comes to business. Me too. 
Me too. Make, make your weaknesses weaker and make your strength stronger because you hire for the too. weakness. Me too. Sorry, yeah. Kobe. Sorry, Kobe. We can't yeah, be yeah. working no, on he, our weaknesses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is the probably the most underrated thing, even though the most obvious is learn from greatness. And I don't mean learn from greatness. I mean pay the greats. Pull out your wallet. Go pay people who know what you do because yeah. they don't owe you nothing because they don't know you. I mean, that's um, what I did the first year, man. I mean, I think I went to like 13 or 14 different masterminds. Yeah. Billy Jean's conference being one of them. I mean, you know, even even Ty yeah. Lopez's conferences. Like I, I, I went to all of those. That's when I met you. Like I'm telling you, like the other day I was going through the list of like SaaSpreneurs that hit like massive seven figures. And more than half the people on there are people that I met at Billie Jean's events and conferences in like 2014, 15, 16. Uh, I think we even had like a big brother program. And I think yep. Rob Alex was like my big brother. Um, but but e- either way, like you were one of the big brothers for somebody else. Like I remember those things. And I'm just like, man, what it takes is that community. And you and, and it came from me investing like like it, it, there, it, there is a psychological power in being able to say, you know what, I'm all in on this part. And here's how I'm going to pay with my mouth and not only with my mouth, but with my wallet as well. And obviously, you know, you get burnt, you get burned a couple of times and you are cautious and we recommend that, but you know, you want to vet people out, but it is a part of growth. You have to invest into yourself. Yeah. And the longer, I mean, it's procrastination is the enemy of success too, because I mean, we don't have a lot of time on the planet. We have 4,000 weeks. It's just a matter of like, are we willing to let another week go by without being great and not making those decisions? Um, But at the same time, like, again, going back to investing, like I probably made like, I've made a lot of mistakes on investing in people. I've invested from Tony Robbins, Billie Jean, like where we met each other and several other people. There's probably at least seven figures in education that doesn't include college. Um, but I've won more than I've lost because I remember when I told my partner, Cody, I bought this program. I bought a $25,000 thing, didn't even discuss it with him. And I said, it's up front. And he's like, what is it? I'm like, how dare you ask me what I bought? <laughs> I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like we're, we're doing this terrible investment. It was terrible investment. And, uh, and we were the most successful people, not to brag or anything, but we were, we were so further ahead. We didn't know that it was just presented so well, but then I'm like, you know what, let's see how this rolls out. Anyways, long story short, what I ended up doing is I turned the lemon into lemonade and we found a way because I turned them into our client. I turned their clients into our client. We ended up our, our $25,000 investment. Actually, we renewed and paid them 30,000 the next year. So 55,000 because we just said, we just want your clients because we do opposite services. We found our angle. And then said, all right, we ended up making like three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars just in the two years. Now, yeah. going after the two years, we still have clients from that era. We have one that's now like referring us business like crazy. So I can't even quantify, but I already know that one fifty-five thousand dollar investment that I thought was bad turned out to be one of our best ones. Yeah. And we have friends for life. Yeah. And 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 I think that's the key is you buy speed when you invest. If you don't want speed, don't worry about investing. Oh, yeah. You have to go self-propelled, right? So mm-hmm. for me, in like one or two years, I advanced and invested into the best programs out there. And you know, like Rahul said, in, when you get to a certain level, you at that point invest for relationships. You invest for circles. Like certain circles have a certain aura to them, and like like the Billie Jean group is one of those. I'm telling you, like. 
some of the best people I've ever met was that. Like I'm telling you, it's it's like at least 25, 30 seven figure entrepreneurs that I can just pick up my phone today and just call. It's crazy to me that's possible because of those relationships. Um, and I know GSD is one of the upcoming and latest, like you guys are rocking it. And I know I've heard great things about your community. Do you want to talk about that as we just kind of close out the podcast? Yeah. Um, can I give the foot in the door document to you if you guys want to give it to everybody? Because there's 24 things. So if you if it's valuable, you can put it in the show notes, whatever. You don't have to link it yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah, for means, sure. For sure. I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah. So anybody wants it, you can have it. Um, but yeah, GSD, it stands for get shit done. And that's the culture of who we are. We're all about like getting people to have momentum because I believe a good coach is not only going to give you the skills, the tactics, the blueprints, the how-tos and those step-by-step -step instructions. But our biggest thing is we want to build a family and a culture of, of what's up here. Because if I can teach somebody how to think way above their own perspective of what's actually possible, like who thought Obama could have been fucking president, right? He did. And people above him and mentoring him and saying, hey, you can do whatever you put your mind to. We've all heard that before. Right. But when, it's, when we're in our own mind, our perspective is right here. It's at the top of our head. We can't see above it all the time. And that's what we want people to see is think differently, think bigger, because like a dude like me and a guy like you, who would have thought like I'm work, I would work with like a Geico, a realtor.com. I wear a hoodie and a hat every day. Yeah. Who would think I would be able to talk to CEOs of publicly traded company that ran thousands of people. It's just because I had mentors that let me believe that I could and taught me the way. So they gave me the strategies, the tactics, but they gave me the confidence, the know-how, the community, but they also taught me how to think. And it was an ongoing thing because training isn't something I did. It's something I still do. It's yeah. always going to be till the death of me. Like I'm going to be yeah. reading, learning, watching videos, paying people just to learn that next thing. Yeah. And that's what entrepreneurs do, right? Like we, mm -hmm. we believe in ourselves. We, we, we don't let failure get in the way. And yeah, we take gut punches. I mean, we all got to make payroll happen. We all got to, you know, like make sure the team is together. You got to make sure customers are walking in through the door. You got to make sure they're not refunding for whatever reason. You got to make sure you have a good reputation. Like there is so much to it while you're still trying to make sure Things at home is okay. Your wife, kids, family, whatever, <laughs> spirituality, personal exercise. Like there's so many aspects of life you have to juggle as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And it's it to me, it's best to do it with other people, journey with, you know, people in GSD community and other communities, like just like the high level community. Uh, but those of you that are watching, uh, I want to just welcome you. If you don't have high level, jump on a 14 day trial, um, reach out to Rahul. He's going to provide you some notes if that's something that you want on uh, some of the things that we talked about today. Yeah, maybe if you don't mind, Rahul, if once we put up the podcast on Spotlight Sessions, feel free to comment in the Spotlight Session YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. um, Are we live right now, by the way? We're not live. No, right we're, we're recording okay. and okay. then our team will take this, chop it up and put it out there. Um, but I appreciate your time, man. I, I do think you know, like you, you notice few people that you that have lasted the space. And to me, you're one of those top leaders. So I appreciate you uh, just jumping on a podcast with us real quick and just sharing, you know, the ugly things of marketing agencies, as well as the good things and being a realist. Um, but yeah, man, appreciate you. Yep. Thank you for having me. Okay. Awesome. Take care. Bye everybody. Bye.